sounds like a really, really cool topic. I hope you get some interesting comments. Here, here's what you got to do. You got to not do drugs, children. Don't do them. Whatever I said earlier, just don't do them. Stay away from the drugs. Right, what year is it? What, what radio show is this? The Sean Tester Show, of course. When's that? Where's that? A little bit more content that doesn't repeat would be a welcome um, improvement in the uh, in the show. The podcast you do is is a an expression and an outreach from what you do best, Sean. <laughs> From the Dad Shack, live on the beautiful shores of Lake Sawyer in Black Diamond, Washington, it's the Sean Teshner Show. And for those of you who are calling in, just a quick reminder, when you call in, you give us permission to use your voice and audio record it for profit and worldwide distribution on the Internet. I don't know if some of you have caught that cold that's going around, but boy, it sure turned into flu real quick. Nothing like getting sick and coughing up a lung or two or breaking a rib. And for those of you who are wondering what this week's show topic is about, we're going to talk about tiny houses. There's been a big movement in this country to simplify. In fact, there was a book written a few years ago called Affluenza, and the whole premise of the book was to talk about how addicted Americans are to stuff and purchasing all the time. Well, you know, when you collect a lot of stuff, you have to have a place to store it. And you have to insure it and hope someone doesn't steal it, etc. And if you become hostage to your stuff, pretty soon you can't move around even in your own place. And with the costs of rent and mortgages now, a lot of people are having to turn to renting rooms in the houses of people who've got property or set up a tent or a trailer somewhere. Heck, even a room rent costs anywhere from $400 to $1,000 a month. And then you're also dealing with other people. And you're lucky enough maybe to get some storage or have shared laundry. So if you even have a storage unit, it can run from 100 bucks a month to 1000 Again, what's it costing you to store your stuff? So people have started turning toward living in campers and trailers, living out of their cars. And now even a new concept buying a, a four-wheel trailer and framing up a small house and making sure it has all the amenities inside, including bathtub or shower, toilets that flush or compostable, and then, of course, being able to hook up to sewer, water, and or gas if coming to a campground or renting a driveway space from someone. Anyway, it's all part of the simplicity movement. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. And that's what we're going to talk about today on the Sean Teshner Show. And it looks like our board's lighting up with the first caller. Hi, this is Sean. Go ahead. You're on the Sean Teshner Show. Okay. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you very well. Thank you, John. And I know that the tiny house movement is starting to gain in popularity. Uh, people are having a real tough time paying rents, uh, even being able to afford any sort of a place to live. And I think that um, your website here, which I ran across, seems to come up with some pretty simple designs, but includes a lot of uh, reuse of materials, which is a big thing, the green movement. So I was hoping to interview you this afternoon regarding what you know and a little history on you and how you got into the tiny house movement. 
Okay. Now, what whatever you share on the show um, becomes is audio recorded. It becomes property of the show, for profit, and worldwide distribution on the internet. Are you okay with that? Yes. Okay. So basically, it becomes a free ad for your company as well. I want to direct um, traffic towards you when people listen to the podcast. Okay. Sounds like a good, a good plan. <laughs> yeah. You have some excellent plans up here. So are you an architect? I am not. Um, I am a builder. Uh, my son and I um, have been building, you know, normal size houses for um, 25 years. Okay. And so uh, we did a lot of interesting designs out there. And, uh, oops. Uh, so, um, yeah, so then now, I don't know if you want me to get into how we got into tiny homes. Sure. Um, but uh, we, we, you know, we were doing uh, lots of high-end houses and remodels, and um, I was getting towards uh, retirement, and I looked at my son and said, do you want to do remodels the rest of your life, or should we take a swing at these tiny homes? And he, he, we thought about it for about a day, and we said, let's do it. Cool. So we took our um, we, we took our building ability, you know, which, you know, we were, he's passive, uh, what do we call that, uh, passive house uh, certified uh, carpenter. So, I mean, we were building lead, um, you know, platinum houses. And so we knew we had a lot of background in how to build a now, John, uh, what I find energy efficient home. What I find so funny about that is I have a daughter who's almost 25, and it always takes a young person to kind of shove us off the cliff and over the edge and say, fly, when that's our job. <laughs> so it didn't surprise yeah. me when you said that. Um, I've been a contractor as well, and uh, I'm at an age at 55 where the old shoulders are starting to hurt and carrying wood. I cut it in half and paste it together later, same with concrete. Uh, so I, I can relate to what you're talking about. I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead. No, that, uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah, we, we said, let's, let's do it. It sounded like an exciting thing to do. Um, we had been asked to build one and we built it. Uh, you know, we lost money on the first one and we said, hmm, what, what did we learn from that one? And so we decided to, uh, you know, incorporate and, uh, as a tiny, uh, true form tiny homes, you know, and, um, Bingo, we started building these. There, there's a lot to learn um, on building a tiny home. There's plenty of people that are, you know, do-it-yourselfers, but uh, when you're doing it at the level we're doing, you know, there's a lot of different templates you have to make, and, you know, it's just a, it's actually quite different than building stick-frame homes out in, the, out, out in the field. Now, John, just um, to steer customers but, uh, your way, uh, can you give us the spelling of your website and a contact phone number and email, please? Yes. Uh, we're trueformtiny.com, T-R-U-F-O-R-M-T-I-N-Y.com. Um, and the uh, contact would be, uh, probably the best would be me, John Carroll, and I'm at 541-968-2212. And you can always shoot an email through our website to me, or you can send it direct to John, J-O-N, at trueformtiny.com. And what and, state uh, are you guys located yeah, in? We, we, 
in <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so um, you know, we, we sell all across the country. I mean, our main market is Washington, Oregon, and California. But, I mean, we've shipped to Georgia, Texas, Iowa, you know, all over the country. Um, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, Eugene, Oregon, we've got about 50 people working now. We've built up from wow. uh, two people to 50. You know, yeah. I, I was watching and, another um, thing on, on cable, and that is these people that build these underground bomb shelters and doomsday shelters for people, too. It doesn't seem <laughs> like you're into the doomsday you know, stuff. <laughs> No, I'm not. I, I get a lot. I, I did that in the '70s. I headed up to uh, faraway places to get away from uh, the potential nuclear war. So I've done that once already. I'm back. Um, so the the we get a lot of calls. I mean, what what happens with with tiny homes is it it allows a person to start thinking about what type of housing they want either now or in the future. And so I get a lot of calls from people asking me, can I put it on a you know, piece of property that my uh, father owns or my friend has? Can I put it on the side of the house inside, uh, you know, Santa Barbara or inside Portland in the city limits? And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just fascinating. I really enjoy the job because I'm a salesperson now, and I get to hear everybody's story when they call me up and ask me, uh, you know, about tiny homes. Um, it's pretty exciting. I mean, maybe for one of the first times in our lives, uh, my son and I hit hit it just right in terms of it's just starting to explode out there on pe- uh, what people think they can uh, do in their life with a tiny home. Interesting. And, and do you and, involve uh, so, the use of a lot of recycled materials in your builds? Well, we, we, you know, the thing is we build with wood. Okay, so um, we don't do the steel. Of course, we have a steel frame for the trailer frame, but we build with wood. No, I wouldn't say. I, I mean, all the materials that we use, uh, we use, we use as efficiently as we can. And um, but it, it's a small, tiny home, so um, I'm using new build guard windows. You know, they're vinyl windows. If someone wants to upgrade mm-hmm. the wood windows, we could do it. But, you know, vinyl windows aren't, are not really, you know, they're not recyclable. We're getting them made by no guard. But our energy efficiency, we put in um, a ductless heat pump system, which is a really, really efficient way to heat a, play, a tiny home. And the way we uh, seal them up, uh, you know, what's your heating bill going to be? $20 a month? I mean, it's, it's ridiculously low. Um, it's so because, A, the space is small, B, we're building a really – uh, efficient uh, envelope and see uh, the energy, the heat pump is the cheapest way to um, heat and cool a place. Uh, you know, John, I've seen, I've seen so, some people that will actually make countertops out of concrete. They'll pour their own countertops or they'll use old barn wood to <laughs> decorate around uh, a living room wall, say, or a cabinet just, just yes. to give it that old rustic look. That's what I mean yeah. by recycled materials. Right, we use we use barn wood. Um, if someone requests it, you know, it's on our website as an accent wall. Um, we use. Uh, I've done concrete countertops. Um, the last one I did, I swore I'd never do it again because it's such a uh, a labor intensive. It's like you know, thirty dollars of concrete and uh, four thousand dollars of labor. 
So you got to sand that thing down until it's um, shining just like a piece of granite. So um, the labor costs got too high in that. But we, we use whatever. I mean, we, we, we default to a butcher block countertop, and then if somebody wants a quartz or, you know, wants a, um, uh, a cultured marble or if they want a uh, granite, they can have that, of course. Um, we're... we're uh, since I've been in the business 25 years, I think I know about every single material out there that's uh, available. Um, but RVs are a little different. You know, just as an example, in an RV, which is what we're a code, we're code permitted as an RV. Um, you can only put RV appliances inside an RV. So if someone sees a nice uh, you know, propane or natural gas uh, uh, stove and they say, can you put this in, Unless it's RV certified, I can't put that in a tiny home. Wow, that's good so, information. Uh, actually, your, your your listeners probably um, the, need to know the difference between um, an R, an R, a tiny home RV and what is now getting popular is called an ADU, an accessory dwelling unit. Okay? An accessory dwelling unit is if you build a tiny house like in your backyard. It has to, you know, be engineered, have a set of plans. You go down to the city and the county and you get a permit. You pour a foundation. It has to be inspected. So an ADU is um, is a completely permitted residential structure. Um, very different from a tiny home RV, which is not permitted as a residential structure. Okay, so that's the big difference. One's permitted as residential, one's permitted as an RV. I'm glad you made that point, uh, John, because uh, some people have built little homes like this and said, well, if I just stick wheels on it, then I don't have to worry about permitting um, because I can move it, and the county won't get me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're they're risking a a bit there. Um, What you want to do is get an buy an RV that's being RVIA certified. There's a couple of different certifications out there, but you want one that's been inspected, okay, even to RV code. And then um, uh, then you can move it around, then you know, then you can treat it just like an Airstream or a Winnebago. It, it's, it's the same certification. It just happens to look like a house, you know, a tiny so, home. So, John, uh, if I, but, uh, if I build myself a tiny home and I decide to drag it behind my my big Ford diesel pickup, like a fifth wheel, and I get pulled over by the state patrol, are they going to ask me for some sort of special license or paperwork uh, to show that the thing's roadworthy and or safe to occupy? Um, both things. One is, you know, just like any anything you're going to tow on, on, a, on a street or a road, you need uh, either a temporary um, permit to tow it or you need a, it needs to be titled and have a license plate, right? You know, um, so, uh, with, when you buy an RV, again, like an Airstream or Winnebago, you go down to the DMV and you get a, a license for it, a license plate, um, and you title it. And, uh, so if you just, if you build one, uh, and, uh, in your backyard and you want to tow it down, you're going to have to go to the DMV and convince them that it's roadworthy. And that you can get a title, and um, you know, and, and get a license for it. So uh, I, I I don't haven't gone that way. 
So I don't know what the difficulties would The be reason here. that I asked but, is in yeah. the 70s, my mom and dad were teachers, and in the summers we'd go in their camper up and down the coast and into Canada. And at that time, we could ride in the um, queen-size bed just above the cab of the truck as we were going down the road, all three kids staring out the window. And now I guess that's illegal because mm-hmm. these things tip over and kids can get killed. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, oh, I suppose everything got tightened up. But, but with, the, um, with the tiny home RVs that we're building, you can tow them down the road. They're heavy. Uh, we have some people that go around the country, you know, with, with let's say a 20 footer or 22 foot that we build. But generally speaking, people move them to a spot. Um, they stay there for a while. You know, then they may move it again in six months. So um, it gives a person um, the chance to, to move their house when they change jobs or change their life uh, situation changes. Um, and, uh, and, and, of course, I always tell people they're very affordable. I mean, they're cheaper than any rent you'll ever pay these days. Sure. They're uh, mobile. You can turn around anywhere you want. And they're really built uh, very safe and very comfortable. Well, my so, question uh, is... Put those three together and you've got quite a thing. Sorry to interrupt, John. Um, my question is, of all the customers you have, are you finding that young women or college students are most interested or post-divorced people or what? Who's your... Uh, uh, the demographics. Uh, of who, yeah, who's, who's buying tiny homes? Uh, you know, um, uh, all those above that you said, um, we have uh, uh, people in their 50s that are um, uh, either they, you know, they changed their job or they've gotten divorced and then they're seeing this as their best alternative. For, for moving out of the bigger house that they had. Um, we have plenty of people that want to move into their kids' backyard, um, you know, that are 70s, and they say, hey, I want to be around my grandkids, and this is the best way to do it. I even have some people that have moved out of their house into a tiny home and then have their kids move into the house um, because, uh, the, you know, the kids have a family and they need a bigger house. And it's very affordable to put a tiny home in your backyard. You know, I, I can um, just see a cartoon. Are- I can see a cartoon right now, John, where uh, parents have their tiny home behind their big diesel truck, and then connected to the back of their tiny home is another tiny home to store all the junk that their kids drag back home and leave with them when they get out of college, especially. <laughs> uh, you know, the failure to launch idea, and uh, the other thing too is, you know, the affordability of one of these. I'm looking at your website and all the beautiful pictures, and I'm going, my God, these are homes. These look like apartment homes or high-end homes. They don't look like trailers. That's they don't right. look like campers. It's high-quality stuff in here. Well, that's the big, that's the big difference. Um, I, you know, not to say uh, Airstreams or Winnebago's, but they have, the, they have an RV feel to them. Of course, that's, that's what we think of as an RV. There's... What we're building are actually homes on wheels. Uh, they, they have that, because we're using the same material that you would use in a stick frame home. Okay? So that's why it gives it that, that, uh, feeling that you're picking up when you're looking at our gallery. And that's what attracts people to it. They, and you know, we even put a loft in these, as you can see. Um, and, uh, we also have found some lenders that'll lend on these. So, you know, you can get a 23 year 
uh, RV loan and uh, get you know get down to seven eight hundred bucks a month. You could do less if you get a smaller one, but um, you know, and heck, that's pretty affordable these days. You just need to have a place to be able to put it. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> excuse me, the there's been a huge movement in this country towards simplicity, what they call the simplicity movement, and there was a book put out, I believe in the 90s, called Affluenza. And then, of course, George Carlin did a funny spoof called Stuff, where he talks about um, when he goes to visit people, that their stuff is crap and that his crap is stuff. Um, that's putting it nicely with George Carlin. And I can so, see... So, uh, 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 I don't want yeah, to be hostage say, by along those li- Yeah, I'll, that's true. That's true. Along those lines, um, I used to, uh, I, uh, we built a storage unit, uh, you know, one of those 300 uh, storage units that have the doors that roll up. And, um, I, you know, it was just one of those things I did as a, as a developer. And, and you wouldn't believe what everybody would bring and store. And I finally decided that in America, before you got rid of most of your stuff, you stored it for a year. And then you, you got so mad that of paying your monthly that you finally were able to let go of that couch that isn't worth more than $10, but you've now paid $1,000 to store it. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a booming business in America is storage facilities. And yeah, we've, we've, I don't know, have we all bought into that? I tell you what though, if you go in with a tiny home, you have eliminated that. There's uh, storage, it's like living on a boat, right? Uh, every inch counts in these tiny homes. And, and you know, that's, um, that's an interesting so that, that's point you made there too, is being able to crawl up and down stairs at 70, uh, even to use the toilet. And I'm sure you guys consider that too when you're uh, designing a build. Well, I, sure, half, half the tiny homes we, we do, the main bedroom is on the main floor, okay? So um, uh, we have units that don't have lofts, um, and, and you're right. I mean, you know, I, I totally agree. I don't want to crawl down those stairs um, and use the bathroom at 2 in the morning. So um, I'd be one of those that get a bed uh, on the main floor. I'd be telling my and, grandkids, uh, okay, kids, the, the loft there, that's your treehouse. <laughs> And if you can fit in that's there, fine. Right, if you don't, right. you'll have to find another place because that's that's. Well, you know, we built them that there's a a family of five um, uh, where you know they have two lofts, and one of them, of course, is for the kids, and the others for them. And uh, you know, so far, we haven't heard any of that thing of uh, anything but enjoying it. So um, you know, it just depends on what you're willing to do in your life. John, you know, I wonder when NASA. How you going to organize it? I wonder when the when NASA's gonna get a hold of you and have you design the next space station because of trying to fit as much as you can into small modules, things that fold up. Uh, fold I'm up. sure they got a lot they could teach me. <laughs> I, if you know any boat builders out there that want to join our design staff, we'd be welcome to come on in. I mean, that's the level we're at is how to how to you know use these spaces best we can. So. Well, that's great. And there you go. <laughs> excuse me. You've given us a little bit of information that we didn't know about, especially about the idea of having them permitted and licensed. Uh, the first thing I can think of is I had a friend who had a large piece of property, and he decided he was going to make a small RV park out of it, 
and he ran sewer lines out there, and he ran water, and he ran electricity. And he, he, he rented those spaces for about a year, and then I guess a neighbor complained. The next thing you know, the code guys are down there inspecting. And he ended up having to tear out mm -hmm. four of those homes because he never got a permit to, to do the sewage properly, et cetera. And it ended up costing mm -hmm. him more yep. than what he thought he made in a year. So I guess yep. the message is yep. do it right for well, the start. You got to do it right. There's a guy out on the coast of Oregon who um, went through the the right process, um, put in the you know put in all the septic system and um, you know I don't I don't know the number I would imagine at least a million dollars and he he created 35 um, tiny home sites you know uh, uh, all with all hookups he ran it out in three months. Um, you know, if you do it right, I think it's a, it could be a real cottage industry, but you have to go through the steps. The counties aren't just going to allow people to start, you know, setting up uh, trailer parks wherever they want, and okay, you know, which is basically what it is. It was that neighbor complaining that started the, the roll downhill for him. And my dad, mm -hmm. when he was in college mm -hmm. in the 50s, he told me that the big thing to do was to rent a room from someone. They called them boarding houses. Kind of like what Mrs. Gump did in uh -huh. Forrest Gump, yeah, except she rented a room to Elvis. And uh, that's how they made the money on the side. You know, they, it, kind of like a bed and breakfast, but you just stay for a night, rent a room, and yeah. be on your way. Um, I wouldn't do that now because all the high risk of uh, people on Craigslist that aren't quite out, you know, normal. Um, well, you'd be, you'd be surprised. I bet. 10% of our sales are people that are seeing them as like Airbnbs, that uh, they will be, um, if they're not using them, they'll be uh, renting them out um, uh, with some, you know, some idea of how they're going to generate some cash. So um, it's still there. Everybody's, uh, again, they're all thinking of how to uh, keep a good living going. I haven't met one person, John, that doesn't enjoy the idea of living in a smaller space and having less stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there you go. I'll be telling you one of these pretty soon, man, it sounds like. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate the chance to interview you. I know that people will be heading to your website, and I'm going to ask that okay. if you listen to this podcast, folks, let John know that you heard about it on the Sean Tester Show. Because this is the kind of stuff we like to do. We like to link uh, our community together. We've got a lot of people with backyard cottage-type industries. And a lot of times people don't know about them. And they're wonderful people to work with. I have a guy who lives down the street, and he raises honeybees. And, of course, he puts out honey. And when I think about the stuff I could buy at Safeway versus what I buy off the shelf from him, I know I'm getting a real product with him. I just have to get some of the bee legs and fly wings out of it when I eat. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> John, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, I look forward to interviewing you down the road. Okay. I, I, I look forward to another call, Sean. Take care now. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, John, since you couldn't choose, we're going to go ahead and send you out zombie style. Here we go. The zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I found these uh, 
subject uh, very interesting. I, 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 I learned something from the show. To our listeners who remember Y2K in the year 2000, everybody was saving up canned food and lentils and whatever they could to make an emergency food storage for when computers crashed and it was Armageddon all over. Anyway, that was 20 years ago. Some of you probably haven't gone through your cupboards to get rid of a lot of that food. I always joke about this when I stop by the Maple Valley Food Bank and speak to Dan Lancaster, the executive director. He's the only uh, CEO I've ever seen polishing windows to get all the smudges off of him because he can't stand to have the place look less than professional. And folks, they've been in service to others since 1965. And they've served 695,548 meals. 834,658 pounds of food has been distributed. 62,929 individual visits have been filled. 1,331 households served. 231 homeless helped. And 56.9% of those served are children and seniors. 609 families have received some sort of emergency assistance that helped to keep them from being homeless. And about 4,000 spent to help buy baby items such as diapers, formula, and food. 43,000 spent on fresh dairy and produce and proteins. And 988 children served with Christmas gifts by their own parents. And 460 backpacks with school supplies given to low-income families. And folks, I can tell you that makes a difference. If you're deciding that you don't want to go ahead and look through your cupboards and maybe donate some food, maybe, maybe you could consider when you buy food each week, set a little aside and drop it off at the Maple Valley Food Bank. Or send a check, because it is a nonprofit and you can write it off on your taxes. And they are at 21415 Renton Maple Valley Road Southeast, Maple Valley, Washington, 98038. They also have a P.O. Box 322, same city, same zip. Their phone number is 425-432-8633. And their actual website address is www.maplevalleyfoodbank.org. If you want to reach Dan, his email is dan at maplevalleyfoodbank.org. thing to remember, folks, is homelessness and hunger can happen to any one of us at any time in our lives. So remember that and give generously to the Maple Valley Food Bank. Thank you. This has been a free public service announcement brought to you by the Sean Teshner Show. This podcast you do is is a an expression and an outreach from what you do best, Sean. Well, thanks again for tuning in to the Sean Teshner Show. Next week we should have some more interesting things to talk about. I encourage the listeners to go ahead and email us at trashner at hotmail.com. That's spelled T-R-A-S-H-N-E-R at hotmail.com. Or you can text us or call us at 425-247-8827 here in the United States. And I promise that I'll get back to you. I also am able to be reached by voicemail. So go ahead and leave a message if you have a interesting topic that you'd like to introduce on the show, please suggest it there, and I promise I'll get back to you. Or if you have something interesting that you'd like to be interviewed about, we'll certainly do that and or any public service announcements. 
This show is listener-sponsored, and we appreciate any donations that you'd like to make. So let me know if you're interested in doing that. Until next week, thank you for tuning in to The Sean Teshner Show. We're going to open this vault door here and see what kind of archives we could dig out from the Sean Teshner Show Ear Candy Vault. See if this door will open. Uh, maybe it needs a little oil on the hinges. Let's sit back and listen and enjoy. I found the subject uh, very interesting. I, 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 I learned something from the show. So you tell me you're brain damaged, is that it?